Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Sounding Jewish Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Samantha Cooper, and each episode presents my conversations with musicologists, ethnomusicologists, and sound study scholars who specialize in the music and sound of Jewish experience. After a seven-episode whirlwind, we finally reached the end of season one. I am so grateful to the seven incredible scholars who accepted my invitation to participate on the podcast's first season and made time in their very busy schedules to speak with me. In today's bonus episode, I will tell you a little bit about my current research project, the early experiences that brought me into the field of Jewish music studies, and my motivations for starting this podcast. It is important to me that I create a space to be just as vulnerable on air as I consistently ask my guests to be. So here we go. My name is Dr. Samantha Madison Cooper, and I am a Canadian historical musicologist specializing in American Jewish opera history and popular music studies. This past academic year, I was a Harry Starr postdoctoral fellow in Judaica at Harvard University. I was lucky to be part of a cohort of gifted junior scholars working on projects related to the theme of Jewish studies and the arts. My colleagues came from Argentina, Italy, Israel, Canada, and the United States to make progress on academic scholarship about the Jewish histories of visual art, magic, theater, and music. I was grateful to be able to feature one of my colleagues, Dr. Julia Regal, earlier this season in episode four. In addition to launching this podcast, I've spent most of this year working on my first book project, tentatively titled American Jews and the Making of the New York Opera Industry. My book examines the 60-year period between 1880 and 1940, when the founding of the famous first Metropolitan Opera House collided with a watershed moment in Jewish migration history. Together, this created the perfect storm for Jewish professional and amateur entrance into the world of opera. As I discuss, Jewish labor for the opera industry was enormously diverse and included not only acclaimed opera singers like Richard Tucker and Beverly Sills, but also roles that are typically overlooked, from photographers and lawyers to artist managers and box office attendants. At the same time, the Jewish relationship with opera could also be particularly fraught in an era of social exclusion of many minority groups. A set of bylaws in the Met Opera archives capture deliberate efforts by the Met's founders to keep undesirable persons, as they are termed, out of the opera boxes and away from the stock. I will look forward to sharing updates on this book project with you at a later date, but that's where it sits right now. My entrance into my fields of study began perhaps earlier than most. I was raised in a very supportive, loving Ashkenazi Jewish family in Thornhill, Ontario. My parents felt strongly that a good education was the best gift that they could give to my brother and I, and they worked to foster our passions and talents. At the age of three and a half, as I was sitting in my parents' minivan with a CD of the musical Mamma Mia playing, my mom realized that something a bit unexpected was happening in her back seat. gradually turned down her stereo's volume until she could hear whatever I was doing back there, and quickly realized that I not only knew all of the lyrics to ABBA's greatest hits, but was singing along with unexpected pitch precision for a three and a half year old. Mama Mia, 
After marveling at the phenomenon, my parents brought me for an assessment by a voice coach, and my lifelong musical journey began. Subsequently, I sang my first Royal Conservatory of Music voice exam at age five, and spent the rest of my childhood participating in an assortment of music lessons, voice competitions, musical theater productions, and summer camps. In grade four, I joined a Jewish children's choir called the Renanine Youth Singers, under conductor Susan Michaels, which I sang in through grade 11. It was as part of Renanim that I met my eventual husband, and also and later a bass in the choir. While attending a community Jewish high school, I actively pursued intensive music and theory training through the Royal Conservatory of Music's Young Artist Performance Academy. I auditioned for several undergraduate programs and ultimately began a degree in voice at Wilfrid Laurier University in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. About a year into the undergraduate program, I encountered my first experience with an anti-Semitic text in a music history classroom. A young professor, still in the process of finishing up their PhD, asked our classroom of 50 undergraduate students to sight-sing a Latin sequenza from Burkholder and Poliska's 2010 edition of the Norton Anthology of Western Music, Ancient to Baroque. But after we were finished stumbling through the nooms of Victame Pashali Laudes on page 30, the professor quickly moved on with the lesson, thinking we got the gist of how music of this period worked. But when I flipped to page 31, the Latin was translated, with the second to last stanza reading, quote, the truthful Mary alone is more to be believed than the deceitful crowd of Jews, end quote. I remember feeling so angry and hurt that the professor hadn't even considered the meaning of what they had asked us to sing before assigning it. I went home and I started working on my end of semester paper. It was titled Harmonious Hatred, an examination of anti-Semitic song in medieval Christian Europe. 
Obviously, it was a rudimentary six-and-a-half-page study at best, but responding to this moment on paper through research made me feel like I'd regained some sense of the power I had felt I had lost in that classroom. I soon realized that my passion for academics and lack of patience for voice studio politics made me better suited to a scholarly trajectory than a performative one. I promptly switched voice studios, declared a music history specialization, wrote an undergraduate thesis about Felix Mendelssohn's Elijah Oratorio, and began a PhD at NYU in historical musicology the next year. Initially, I thought I was going to write a dissertation about how Jews were represented on the grand opera stage. But then, in my introduction to musicology pro-seminar class with Suzanne Cusick, we were sent out on a mission to enter an archive for the first time and ask a question of the collection and see what answers we received back. My findings prompted me to start thinking about how real, living, breathing Jewish people from New York City came to engage with the opera industry between 1880, the year the Met was founded, and 1940, the same year this opera house was sold to and purchased by the New York public. I graduated with my PhD in May 2022. I decided to start the Sounding Jewish podcast because I wanted to create a public humanities platform that would exclusively feature the voices of scholars working on music and sound in the Jewish experience. I'm an avid podcast listener myself, and while there are many excellent podcasts hosted by musicologists and sound study scholars on assorted platforms, they rarely invite those working on Jewish music subjects to participate. My objective wasn't to create yet another book review podcast. That format, while maybe useful for publicizing new works, isn't always the most engaging for listeners. I wanted people of all backgrounds, Jewish and non-Jewish, to feel like my podcast would speak to them. I also hope that the Sounding Jewish podcast will give undergraduate students or performers with an interest in Jewish music studies a welcome entry point into this scholarly discipline. It can be really overwhelming to figure out where you fit and what ideas you might be able to bring to the table, especially if you've never had a chance to participate in sustained academic dialogue. The podcast, in some sense, is the kind of resource I would have welcomed when I was first trying to find my own feet in academia. I've deliberately selected scholars to feature on season one who exemplify the inherent diversity that exists in the field of musicology, ethnomusicology, and sound studies as they exist around the world today. The voices we heard include women and men, non-binary and trans folks. Not all participants are Jewish or practice Judaism in the same ways. They come to us from diverse career stages. Some are assistant or full professors, some are postdocs, some are in temporary lectureships, and others are independent scholars. Guests this past season joined us from the United States, Israel, and Scotland, but their research subjects stretched from the music of Brooklyn's Hasidic community to the Warsaw Ghetto, and from the klezmer performances of contemporary Berlin to Uganda's Abba Yudaya Jewish community. Capturing this diversity is really important to me, and I'll continue to seek out a varied set of voices for future seasons. At this time, I'm limiting the show to guests who have finished PhDs or who have otherwise established their reputation within their scholarly fields. My intention with this is not to exclude graduate students, but to protect those who are still on the path to establishing themselves in connection with their chosen research subjects. As a reminder, to ensure that this podcast remains accessible to all listeners, transcriptions of each episode as well as citations of all sound clips can be found in the show notes. So far, you'll be pleased to hear the podcast has reached listeners in the United States, Canada, Israel, Belgium, the United Kingdom, 
Mexico, Singapore, Austria, Argentina, Germany, Sweden, India, Turkey, Egypt, Taiwan, Australia, Italy, the Netherlands, France, the Czech Republic, Spain, and Brazil. I'd love to keep growing our listenership, so please share your favorite episodes with your colleagues, friends, and family. As you've certainly noticed by now, there are really only two central questions that I consistently ask every guest, no matter the stage they are at on their educational journeys. They serve as a kind of connective thread across podcast episodes. They are, firstly, what issues do Jewish music study scholars today need to remain attentive to? And secondly, do you believe that there is such a thing as Jewish music or an identifiable Jewish sound? Rather than answering these questions for you myself, I'm going to invite you, that's right, you, the listener, to send me a brief audio clip with your thoughts. I will then edit together your answers and share them in an additional bonus episode next month. That's right, you could be featured on the Sounding Jewish podcast by sharing your thoughts on what Jewish music means to you. You can reach me to submit your recordings by sending an email to thesoundingjewishpodcast at gmail.com or by following the show on Instagram at thesoundingjewishpodcast. I am so grateful for your continued support, and I welcome your feedback as well as your suggestions of scholars that you would like to hear from next season. Bye for now. Bye for now.